Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I am very excited to welcome our guest today. This is Amelia Wilcox. She is the CEO of Navadi out of South Jordan, Utah. Amelia, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. What would you like the people to know about you or Navadi? Yeah, so um, I am, I guess, a three-time founder, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later, but, um, and I, I have three daughters and uh, always been a remote team. And then what Navadi does is we are an employee mental health platform. So we provide a platform um, that employers pay for and they give it to their employees and their employees can access a variety of classes, um, pre-recorded sessions and working with live practitioners. So the bulk of what we do is mental health. That's so a lot of therapy, um, meditation, mental health videos, mental health workshops, downloads. Um, but it's, it's like this proactive care solution that's more holistic. So there's also sleep and meditation, and we're actually adding finance here in a minute, which is super exciting. So that's what wow, we do. Wow, you cover, cover the whole spectrum then. Yeah, it's it's the whole idea that like people are whole and their wellness solution needs to be whole as well. I love that. That's great. Very needed right now. So well done. Well, let's jump into our questions. The first question, share a time where you struggled with a coworker and how you resolved it. Yeah, so a time I struggled with a coworker, and I think I think it's hard to to talk about struggle with coworkers because I feel like for the most part everybody gets along pretty well. We have a culture where uh, it's very collaborative and there's a lot of open communication, sharing of ideas, disagreement. It's very respectful, um, so we don't really have um, you know issues where people don't get along. But there have been issues in the past where maybe someone's not hitting their number or they're struggling to perform to the level we need them to perform. Um, and that's happened, you know, that's happened multiple times, um, especially being bootstrapped for like the first eight years. We had a lot of first time leaders and, you know, we we're trying to like invest in them and grow them. And so there can be a lot of failure up front while they're trying to learn how to do it. Um, and so my kind of go to strategy for that is we try to pair all of our team members up with their own mentor. So if you're the head of client success, then you have somebody who's already built a client success org at a SaaS company before, um, helping you kind of navigate through some of those. I, I actually have a quote on my whiteboard over here that just says, you know, what industry expert can you bring in to help solve for that? So I try to have that kind of mindset um, in general. So if we're trying to solve a specific problem, bringing in somebody who knows how to do that already, um, but then also making sure our team is paired up with a mentor. They all have uh, personal development plans. They all have, um, we use the M spot for managing our performance metrics quarterly and creating alignment between the departments and each employee. Um, so yeah, those are just some of the tools that we use. But if, if someone's not performing, then I usually will dive in with them and either find them a new mentor, a mentor that's specific to that, or get in with their mentor and figure out how to coach them out of whatever it is that they're struggling with. Wow, that's fantastic. You really handle that very, very well as far as any kind of a struggle with an employee. That's fantastic. Question number two, I'm sure you've heard the phrase that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. 
what's one suggestion that you would offer to help people kind of stick around a little bit longer and retain your employees better? Uh, one of the pieces of advice I give the most, which I'm sure most organizations probably already have this in place, but we are just so huge on one-on-ones. Um, the best way to retain employees, I feel like, is one-on-ones. And it sounds so just basic and maybe cliche, I guess, too. It's just having good relationships with your team members. But uh, we we really follow that um, to the letter here. It's like your employee one-on-ones are not optional, right? That is the employee's time. That is your commitment to them. That is when they can ask you for whatever they need from you. They can use their time to talk about their dog if they want to. Or, you know, we, we recently had an issue where someone on our team was dealing with a suicide of somebody close to them. And, you know, um, there's just life, life happens. So if you're thinking about employee retention, I think the very best tool for that is one-on-ones because if you're doing that regularly with your employee every single week and you're giving them that time, you're going to know long before they ever start looking for another job that it's not working out. And you're going to have time to mitigate that, maybe start hiring for that position or try to talk them out of it or you know solve for that. Whereas I think what happens in a lot of organizations is somebody just says, oh, I got another job and they leave and you didn't see that coming at all. So we, we have pretty low retention or low turnover, I mean, high retention. Uh, we don't have a lot of people leave our organization. I, I think that's one of the reasons why is because all of our managers, it's just ingrained in their head that it's like, this is your employee's time. This is an investment in your team. It's an investment in retention. And you're going to see problems in the business and problems for that employee long before they manifest. That's fantastic uh, information, Amelia, because you really hit on some important points, especially about those one-on-ones. And you'd be surprised how obvious it may seem and yet how few companies really do it, how, how few leaders really get involved and, and inter- not, not I'd want to call it an interview, but just really stay in with their employees. So I think that's fantastic. Well done. Question number three, and this is, I'm interested to hear your response on this one, given uh, what we were just talking about before we went on the recording here, but uh Tell us a little bit about how you build resilience in a team. Oh, I <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things that I'm like, I know how to do it, but I don't know if I know how to tell someone else to do it. So I'll try. Um, I think to start with, you have to be resilient as a leader, right? So everything you do as a leader is you're setting that example for the rest of your team. So the way you lead, your team is going to follow. So um, the other thing I would add, so I'll just give you like a little backstory for the, for the listeners so they can understand like my background and context. So I built a company called Incorporate Massage. We launched in 2010. I grew that company. I bootstrapped it for the first eight years. We started raising angel funding in 2018. Once we raised funding, we started to grow really, really fast. And we hit the Inc. 5000 in 2019 and 2020. And then, I mean, I grew it to 1,200 massage therapists. We had about 4,000 corporate clients that we worked with across all of the United States, Canada, and we even had some clients in Mexico. Um, and then we, COVID hit Friday the 13th, March 13th. I had to furlough my entire team and sit down and figure out how we were going to survive when our business was completely obliterated, right? We had a 92%, no, 98% revenue reduction um, the the month that COVID hit and uh, yeah, and then went to 100. So I had to think my way out of that. And 
this goes back to what I was just saying is like my whole team's furloughed, except for one of my team members um, who basically worked for stock and uh, was so grateful to her for doing that because our customer service needs went up as everyone was canceling everything, but we had no revenue coming in. So I'm like, I can't afford to pay you. But um, anyway, and so then I sat down with my board. We we looked for opportunities where we could pivot the company and serve our clients in a new way. And I got on the phone with all of the VPs of HR that we worked with. I just asked them a million questions and we landed on mental health as the problem that I thought we were uniquely positioned to be able to solve quickly. And we absolutely have solved it really quickly. We're growing so fast. Um, but I brought my team back from furlough. Even we had, we have team members that even have been furloughed for two years because their specific position, we haven't had a place for them yet. We haven't needed that many people yet. And we just brought one of them back last week. And I mean, they have watched this whole journey. So um, what I'm trying to say, what I'm getting at is they saw my example of resilience and how I didn't give up. And I said, you know, we're not done yet. Our board was ready to file for bankruptcy. And I was like, no, I'm gonna keep trying. Like, I think there's something here. I think we can do this. And then I was able to bring my team back. And now that team has seen me transform. They've seen the business transform. They have transformed themselves. They've learned new roles and skilled up in all these new areas. Like now one of our sales reps, she used to be in staffing on our operations team. And it's, we've like given her the skills and training to move into this new role. And like everybody's being reskilled into new things. So I think, uh, I think that says a lot and it, it teaches our team a lot about resilience and how to just roll with the punches and, you know, take what's dealt to you and make the most of it. And I think everybody's kind of adopted that attitude. Oh, I love that. And thank you for sharing the backstory a little bit, because that was, that was startling to me when I heard that it makes sense given the industry that you were in, but wow, what a great example of resilience and not giving up and going to, to decide that uh, you're going to swim and not sink. So I think that's fantastic. So congratulations on your success and your resilience. Thank you. Let's go to the next question. Uh, question number four, share an example or maybe a, someone in your life that has made a difference or some kind of an impact that has helped you. Oh my gosh. The list of those people is so long, but I'll shout out to one of my board members, um, Sydney Tetro pivoting the company. Well, even before the pivot. So in raised money in 2018, we, started to morph into a technology enabled services company. And so we started to just move from, from services where we were like manually staffing massage therapists at these corporate locations and keeping it in a spreadsheet, right? We'd evolved over those first eight years and had built our own technology. And then we'd realized like we were going to automate the customer experience and we built out the technology to make it all automated and the whole experience from end to end, the staffing, the sales, all of it. And we kind of, that was when we kind of embarked on this transformation into like, oh, we're not a services company anymore. We're now technology enabled services, which is kind of like a higher level, um, more scalable, like a lot of things like that. So this is my first time I go into this pitch competition and um, it's all men <laughs> and it's a technology co pitch competition. And I'm like, this is the first time I'm trying to tell someone that like, oh, we're a tech company. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I don't identify that way. I don't know. I don't know if I can present that front, even though nothing I said was untrue. It just was so different than what I had been doing for the last eight years 
that it still felt like wishful thinking, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that pitch competition, that was the first time I experienced, um, I guess sexism <laughs> and uh, gender discrimination, like inappropriate comments from people. And I was just wow. like, not sure how to navigate that. And um, one of my my friends, mentors, and who's now on my board of directors, Sydney Tetro, she's on the uh, Women Tech Council. She founded that. Um, she's also the CEO at Brandlist right now. And she's got a ton of experience being like a female entrepreneur, which makes you a minority, and then a female tech entrepreneur, which makes you more of a minority. And, you know, she's raised more money than I think any woman in the state of Utah has ever raised for company. Um, and to just brilliant. So anyway, I was so lucky to have her to teach me how to navigate that because I really didn't come up against any discrimination until I remember the day and the the words and like the whole experience. So, so like, it's so fresh in my memory. Um, but because I was able to go to her and ask her how to handle that situation, cause I wasn't sure. I'm like, do I react and be angry? Do I react and, you know, say something to embarrass them or, you know, or like, do I just say nothing and then like, let them roll over me and let this perpetuate for, for future women um I wasn't really sure how to handle it and and Sid was so awesome because she just walked me through like exactly how you should handle it and um in a way that is, is thought-provoking and not embarrassing and just that people aren't doing it on purpose generally it's it's this unconscious bias and people just say things the way that they've been raised and you know what they're what they're familiar with and don't realize how it affects the people that are hearing. I think that could be applied in any number of ways, right? It could be Very true. applied to comments about religion or, you know, race and ethnicity, sexual orientation, like any, anything. Um, but just, she taught me how to teach people to think about their words in a like non-aggressive way. That, ma that made a huge difference for me because now I've bumped into that over and over and over again. And I know exactly how to handle it in a way that doesn't embarrass them, doesn't make me look like a jerk, but um, really causes them to take pause and consider like, why did I say that, you know? Um, <laughs> anyway, so that, that has been really helpful to me just because now that I'm in the tech space, it's something that happens a lot more often. Oh, well, I'm sorry that that's happening, but I'm glad that you had Sydney to help you navigate that and learn how to get through that. And hopefully as we all continue to learn from each other, we can do a little bit better with those kinds of things. So. Well, thank you for recognizing her and for her contribution to your life. Okay, our last question. Tell us a little bit about your first job. Uh, my first job was at the YMCA of Raytown, Missouri. I worked in the nursery. I, I just wanted to work at the front desk, but that's how I had to get in because they wouldn't let you work at the front desk straight out the gate. So started in the nursery, taking care of little kids. Um, not my favorite job. I've never really liked babysitting, <laughs> but my best friend worked there and I was like, okay, and I need a job. And if this will get me in, um, I'll be able to work at the front desk. And so I, I worked in the nursery, I think for like a year. And then I was able to had an opening at the front desk and I was able to go there. And I loved working at the front desk because it was like, the phones are ringing, people are walking in and you're like, you know, scanning their cards and then you're signing kids up for swim lessons. And I, I loved that it was just like so stimulating and there's so many things going on. It was never the same two days in a row, never got boring. And like the challenge of it was really fun. And I did that until I went to college. So uh, I did that for, for like a year and a half or so. And it was, 
that was great. But yeah, and then basically, well, I basically never had a job again because I've always just worked for myself. <laughs> so it's like That's great. I have like no resume because I'm like, I just have worked for myself since I was 19. So Well, that's what a lot of people have done. They get that entrepreneurial bug and it sticks with them. So fantastic. Well, Amelia, thank you so much for answering all those questions. And thank you for being on the podcast today. How can people find you? Yeah, so I'm super active on LinkedIn. Um, if people want to connect to me, it's Amelia Wilcox. Um, and yeah, just you can DM me on LinkedIn and I try really hard to make sure I respond to everybody and it's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Fantastic. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. And once again, we encourage you to subscribe or follow the podcast either on YouTube or on wherever, wherever it may be that you're listening to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great day.